I love the way you say film. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Film Show. I am not Mike Sheridan. I am Dee Malumbi, and I am joined, as always, by movies editor Brian Lloyd. You're not Mike? I thought you were Mike. I know. Shock horror. Uh, Before we get into movie reviews this week, we have a small announcement. Very exciting. We're giving away free stuff, movie tickets. Who doesn't love that? Um, Entertainment.ie have partnered up with Odeon iSense to give you a chance to win tickets to a preview screening of Bohemian Rhapsody. It's on Tuesday, 30th of October at Odeon Point Village so just in time for Halloween and to get into your 70s gear and all that Right around the corner from us as well Exactly Um, so it's showing in the Odeon iSense screen which is of course the best place to watch Bohemian Rhapsody because this is like a concert musical movie you've got your you know awesome picture quality you've got your sound quality with the Dolby Atmos Atmos, for all the musical numbers and all that jazz so it is is the way to watch the movie so make sure you go on entertainment.ie slash competitions for all that to win tickets to it. And we'll be at it as well. We'll be there too, yeah. yeah. So we'll see you. We might even get in our queen get up and stuff. What do you think? No. <laughs> you can't. I I'm thought not. you liked dressing up. I love dressing up. I mean, any excuse to get into makeup, but yeah. um, no, not for that. <clears throat> not for that. Okay. I don't know. We'll be at it though. We'll definitely yeah. be at it yeah. so you can see us at we'll it. We'll be hanging around. I'll you be can... there too. Producer Dave is going to be, be there. too. Yeah. You can Very find exciting. Push. It's going to be so exciting. I'm and excited. You'll, the, he'll, you'll see the face behind the voice. You'll just like, we could actually, we should, <laughs> I tell you what though, right? If we ever end up doing a live show of the film show, I'm going to get a cardboard cutout made of that uh, LinkedIn thing and I'm just going to plonk it. And every time you talk, I'm just going to put it right on the table. Sounds good. That'd be amazing. It's a, a very user-friendly. It is. Cardboard cutout, I think it is. It's just, just right there. Yeah, just, it's just I feel right like there. the white edges should be there. As oh, of well. course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like the omnipresent voice. Like you won't even be in the room, yeah. in the audience. <laughs> You'll just be like over in another room with a mic that will be piped into the room. I would especially like if people are watching it and they had no idea what it was about. Oh yeah, yeah. They would, most people just won't get it, which is part of the crack. I think. Yeah, yeah. It'd just be like some weird experimental theater thing. I'd be like, yeah, of course it is. Before we get into our regular reviews, I've noticed that Mike usually has some friendly banter, so we'll have to... <laughs> now for some, now for some <laughs> regulated... Now for some friendly banter. Yes, now for some regulated banter. Um, for anybody watching this on YouTube, you'll probably be wondering why Brian is without beard. Yeah. Beard for say, as I was joking earlier. Yeah. So why is that, Brian? Your friendly banter is terrible. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm really sorry. Aww. God bless you. You're a professional critic, and I really respect that. Your banter is terrible. You look like you're in prison. I do! Well, yeah, because they're wearing like the blue shirt. It is, and isn't it? The head. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get out actually, of this slammer, see? It's kind of like the start of Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Bit. Full Metal Jacket. They weren't in the army in Full Metal Jacket. They oh, were in the army, th- yeah. But I was like, yeah, there are two similarities. True. If you'd said Cool Hand Luke, I would have been like, yes, I'm on that. No. Um, but I don't think they shaved their heads in Cool Hand Luke because I remember um, your man Paul Newman still had his lovely hair. He did, but they had the denim shirts. That's though. true. That was, yeah. that was that. Um, why did I shave off my beard? I'll tell you exactly why I shaved ants. off my beard. Was it well, ants? It wasn't ants. No, it wasn't ants. Although, funny though, my niece did come to me one time. She was like, is your beard made of spiders? And Didn't I was, someone ask if you had lice and if that's why you shaved Somebody else it? said lice. And I was like, no. Okay, I definitely <laughs> did not have lice in my beard. Okay, that's not it at all. Honestly. Worse than lice. What's worse than lice? Um, Crabs? Yeah. Scorpions. Scorpions? <laughs> 
Who knows? Um, no, uh, I just said that just because I got. Do you like? Okay. You needed a change. You needed a change. Now, like, do you, like? Uh, I don't have any beard to shave off. You don't off, have any I'm facial aware. hair to shave yeah. off. Um, but if you did, you would know that it's one. It's a pain in the hole to constantly be shaving. This is true. Oh yeah, that's why I have a beard. Yeah, exactly. And mm. this was literally it. Like I hadn't shaved in like I don't know, like six months or whatever, probably longer. And I was just like, okay, I better shave this all off and just let it grow back. So like, I'm gonna grow it back. Mm. I'm just you have to sit through baby face. Your timing just seems to be so weird because like my logic would be if I could grow facial hair that I would like grow it out for the winter and then cut it off during the summer, much like a sheep or something. Yeah, yeah, you get you your know? winter coat. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like it's November. And then like, wasn't it a couple of years ago you had this ridiculous beard going on for summer and you were like, so hot every day. And we were like, it's the beard. Yeah. And then I shaved it off. <laughs> then I got thick with it one night and just <laughs> shaved it all off. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't follow the, the, the natural cycle <laughs> of the seasons, as it were. You know what I mean? I just lose my winter coat in the middle of winter. Like, um, okay, fair enough. Well, we start we, talking we, about we, movies have now. Have we had banter? Is this End <laughs> banter. End banter. Okay. Continue. Continuing. Um, so we're reviewing Mo- Bohemian Rhapsody. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? That's yeah. the big release this week. You uh, really Bri- like this. Yes, I did. Brian saw it last night and he did not really like it, which I found... No, I didn't find it upsetting. To be honest, I'm not surprised. So I know that I'm definitely in the minority group here. Yeah. Um, the embargo lifted on it a couple of nights ago and the initial reviews haven't been great. They've been yeah. mostly negative. Um, I saw... I think the only particularly positive review I saw that kind of reflected my sentiments was Rolling Stone. So just saying, and they know music, so yeah, that's true, a fair yeah, point. Pete Travers, yeah. um, the likes of like IndieWire totally slated it. A lot of um, publications were just saying that it's okay, mm. which I can see. Um, but why don't you tell me first, why didn't you like it? Okay. And then I'll tell you why I did like it. Okay, right. I really love Queen. I would consider myself a fan of Queen. Um and I think the story of Freddie Mercury, Farouk Balsara, um, I think all of it is a really, really rich story that could be told very much in and of itself. Um, I think, for one thing, I think they tried to do too much in the space of the context of the story because it's literally from the first time you met them right up to Live Aid. I think it's 1970 to 1985, yeah, actually. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the time gap. Um I thought it was done in a really kind of trite way. I thought there was loads of parts of this that just felt very, you know, I don't want to say cliche, but it was almost just like it really went down exactly like that. No, it didn't. Like, nobody would believe it. Like, you know, a big part of uh, Freddie Mercury's later life was his relationship with Jim Hutton, who was this Irishman. Mm. And in the movie, that's literally kind of boiled down to one scene right before Live Aid. And it's almost like, the day before Live Aid, he finally catches up with Jim Hutton and then resolves all his problems with his parents and then goes off to play Live Aid. Like, it happened really that quickly. No, it didn't. Like, mm. um, And that just felt really trite and that felt like really kind of... Um, like, it was just boiling it down just because it worked. It was just... It was too much poetic license, if you understand. Um, now, any kind of musical biopic, of course, you are condensing the story. You are making it feel like there is more of an arc to it than real life has an arc Um, but this just felt very very laboured also as well I thought the fact that it didn't fully explore the dynamic 
like I mean Queen were really revolutionary in how they like actually made their music and mm-hmm. the actual technical prowess that they had and again that just felt like it was you know we're going to write a song that has audience interaction and then they write We Will Rock You you know that kind of way they didn't you know when they talk about how um, how operatic their music was it's mm. literally one scene and it's almost kind of thrown in as a joke like the bit with Mike Myers who by the way you know felt like such obvious casting to have him but in the But he hasn't been in a movie in ages. I, I know he did that one with um, Margot Robbie which I don't think did very well. No. Terminal, um, I think it was. Yeah. That, yeah, even, that was the name of it. Released in Ireland? I don't think so. I don't think it did. But no, but like I mean just because you know he's obviously a big part of like the Queen legend like and the mm. fact that he brought Bohemian Rhapsody back to uh, prominence with mm-hmm. Wayne's World and stuff like that. Um yeah, I mean, Rami Malek was brilliant in it. He was the best thing in it. He was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. He really captured, you know, the dichotomy between Freddie Mercury, this outsized, over-the-top flamboyant performer, and Farouk Balsara, who mm-hmm. was this, you know, really damaged person, very shy, very reclusive, didn't really know how to interact with people, mm-hmm. and a very tender and raw person. Like, he really got the two of them together. Yeah. Um, but everybody else was just kind of left hanging there. Like Lucy Boynton, who we know is a great actress, was brilliant in Sing Street. Mm-hmm. Really is up on the up and up. Um, just kind of felt like she was tacked on. Um, I didn't think so. I thought she was great in it. Did you? Yeah. I thought. I, yeah, I, I thought she worked yeah. really well in it. You know. And like Brian May and John Deacon and you know all the other guys, like they were just kind of like there. Mm. And like I know when you think of Queen, you think of Freddie Mercury and Queen. You mm-hmm. think of you know, them together, like, um, but just, I just, I, I really did, I, it was such a wasted opportunity. I felt like it was a wasted opportunity. Now tell me why you liked it. Okay, well, for starters, um, I do think that this film is somewhat haunted by, like, its, you know, development history and yeah. production history because it's been a very messy production for, like, very. years, yeah. you know? And then there's still the kind of whole issue of Brian uh, Singer's name being attached to it. Mm. Although my understanding is they have just totally distanced themselves from it, which is, you know, fair enough. And I know that the reason his name on it is because of some... DGA thing. Exactly, DGA thing. So what can you do when you're contractually, you know, obligated? Um, But with regards to the movie itself, I just thought it was really kind of feel good. Like I knew that... I know maybe people were expecting something a bit like maybe deeper and darker, Mm, but I don't think it was ever going to be that. I mean, you also have to bear in mind that Brian May and John Deacon, wasn't it, were creative consultants on it. So they were never going to portray Queen as this like dark kind of thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I do agree with you in that I do think it was very imbalanced between the Queen members and it was pretty much all about Freddie Mercury. And I would have liked to see a bit more of the background of the guys, but they made a creative decision for the film to be mostly about Freddie. And then you do see the guys kind of contributions to the music and how Mm. they, you know, made suggestions and how they like wrote some of the like most iconic, you know, bits of the songs of Queen and everything. So I thought that that was done very well. Um, Rami Malek was amazing. He was amazing. He was unreal. I think that from what I've seen of reviews so far, that's kind of the general consensus. And by the way, I interviewed him and that interview is on YouTube. If you want to check it out, he was such a gentleman. He really nice. Such a sweetheart. And like, I wasn't really sure because I hadn't seen many interviews with him on like talk shows and stuff because I still think he's kind of like 
he's not quite a household name yet. Not yet. Like people would know him from like Mr. Robot and like I loved him in like Bojack Horseman, but that's kind of a really obscure reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'll be much better known now after this. Oh, yeah. But I thought he was incredible in it and I really loved talking to him. I just thought that he was very much a gentleman and very sweet. And he gave me like a little bit at the end about working the with, thing, yeah, yeah, about Alan, working Leech, with yeah. Alan Leach and Aidan Gillen. And I thought that that was very sweet. He said that he accidentally kind of fell into an Irish accent from basically hanging That's out with fair. them too long. That happens. Which is so funny. And then his dialect coach was like, you're not allowed to hang out with them anymore. But well, I will say, though, like, I mean, you know, it was strange in the sense that, like, I, I, I will honestly say I couldn't tell when it was Freddie Mercury singing and when it was Rami Malek singing. Um, I don't know. I thought it was just Freddie Mercury, I, I don't thought. See, this is it. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, I'll put it this way. The dubbing that yeah. he did was incredible. Yes. Like, it really yes. did look like it was him singing. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Live Aid sequence, which is basically the entire third yeah. act of the film, is fantastic. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Like at that point, like when it was ending, I was like, I don't want it to end. And I'd just been sitting there for like, you know, two hours, yeah. 20 minutes. I thought that that was extraordinary. And I thought that, oops, I thought that Rami's, oh, it's Rami, by the way, Rami. I remember is wrong because I asked the girls when I was going into interviews. Right. So it's actually Rami. Rami. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I thought that his performance in that and just everything he gives is just amazing. Like he just elevates him yeah. to another level entirely in that sequence. Um, I just I loved the music in this. Mm. I thought story wise, look, there was there were no surprises and it sure. pretty much was going through the motions. But I just that wasn't unappealing to me. You know, I mean, yeah. look, I everyone who I've talked to. Exactly. Like, I feel that. This is a crowd pleaser movie. It's not a critics movie, if you get what I mean. I mean because it's yeah. feel good and it has like it has great music. It has like these very simple messages of just, you know, finding out who you yeah. are and being true to yourself and being, you know, appreciative of what you yeah. have. It's it's all stuff that we've seen before. Of course. And in terms of the musical biopic genre, this is in no way groundbreaking whatsoever. No. But I mean, I just had a lot of fun and I just found myself beaming, like yeah. just so full of joy. As I was watching this movie and I know that the critics haven't been nice, but everyone who I've talked to who's like from a non-critic background has really, really liked it. That's funny you should say that. Yeah, that's funny you should say that because like that's like I I went to see it last night with my girlfriend and Mm -hmm. she she really, same as you, she really enjoyed it. She really, really had a good time, but it really liked it a lot. And she's not a big Queen fan at Mm -hmm. all. Like, And And I love Queen. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. And Mm -hmm. like it's funny as well that like Queen were kind of known for being critically reviled. But audiences loved them. Like they were yeah. so, they were so big crowd pleasers. And there's even like a segment. <gasps> it's so meta. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like this is actually really meta. Like it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that critics hate this film, but audiences are going to love mm. it. So, yeah, it's um, no, it, it it is good. It's just I would have likened to have seen something with a bit more grit and depth to it. But I think the fact that Brian May. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that the remaining members of Queen still had a hand in it, like obviously they're yeah, going to... quite a bit of involvement yeah. is my understanding. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Like, yeah. it's the same with like they even wanted it originally. Well, I think that this was like a couple of years ago, back when um, you know Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. was attached and everything. Like they wanted it to kind of go Continue into after. yeah, exactly, yeah, and ridiculous. go into when it was just those guys without Freddie Mercury so which is ridiculous it sounds like this movie ended up being something of a compromise yeah but again it's like it didn't go beyond anything I expected yeah but it was still enjoyable entertaining enjoyable I guess yeah Yeah. I liked it yeah yeah Um, yeah could have been good yeah I mean yeah Yeah. I take your point Yeah. yeah I take your point yeah okay we'll leave it at that so one thing I'll go I'll go around the table 
Producer Dave. Hello. What is your favourite Queen song? My favourite Queen song is You're My Best Friend. Ooh. That's a good one. That is a good choice. Deirdre Malumbi, what is your favourite Queen song? I already said Under Pressure, but you said that didn't count because it's with David Bowie. Yes. You need to give me another one. I also love Fat Bottom Girls. You were saying this, yeah, Fat Bottom Girls. Yeah, that's a good choice. I would go with uh, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. Or, oh, I enjoy that, yeah. Yeah, or um, Give Me the Prize from the Highlander soundtrack. It's so hard because there's so many. There's like, so many. There's Don't Stop Me Now, yeah. Killer Queen, Radio Gaga. There's so Bicycle many. Bicycle Race. We're the champions. <sighs> Mighty Ducks really Classic. <laughs> How can you pick one? How could you pick just one? Um, so the next one we have is uh, Katie. Ireland's heroine and women's sporting icon. Oh, that's a crack and right hand she has there. Wow. You're talking about the best female boxer that ever lived. Katie Taylor is the champion of the Olympic Games. I saw this. I haven't seen this now. Yeah. Um, this is the documentary on Katie Taylor. Yeah, Katie Taylor. Yeah, which I haven't seen a lot about, mm. interestingly. I know that um, they only dropped the trailer for it like last week, maybe two yeah. weeks ago. Um, and it's out this week now. So, yeah, fire away. What do you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. I think the fact that Katie Taylor is a notoriously private woman, mm. um, choosing her, uh, initially you would think choosing her as a kind of subject for a documentary makes sense because she's so private and this is going to be, you know, the behind the scenes stories of it. Um, but when you kind of dig into it, it's funny because most of the interviews in the actual documentary don't even focus on her as such mm. as her family telling her story for her, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of way. Because she herself is this, I mean, she is so focused and she is so dedicated and she is just absolutely driven mm-hmm. at what she does that it's almost like she doesn't even have time to sit and actually tell her story. Yeah, She's yeah. too busy, like, she's mm-hmm. too focused on her own thing, so her family has to do their work for her. But that makes sense, like, yeah. because, you know... Obviously, if you're going to tell a story yourself and it's about yourself, you're obviously going to edit it or you're going to mm. kind of, you know, give what you believe in it. Whereas if it's the people around you, they can be a bit more honest about it. And I think that kind of works for it. Mm-hmm. But um, no, yeah, the director, uh, Ross Whittaker, he's a really well-known documentarian. He's done a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and like I would have seen his film Unbreakable yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah which was great. Yeah. yeah, which is brilliant. Yeah, And he really does kind of understand and has a real kind of reverence for what Katie Taylor has done. Because like she was legitimately a trailblazer in the sport of women's boxing. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. she really, you know, she fought for it to get into the Olympics and then, you know, had all her trials and tribulations there. And it goes into that. It really kind of explores that aspect of it. The fact that, you know, she had to fight for her legitimacy. And then when she got in there, it, you know, she really had to give it all she got mm-hmm. in order to get there. And it, then it does go into the whole controversy surrounding her father. Now, if you don't mm-hmm. know what happened there was essentially... Her father had been coaching her for years, had basically given her the tools to become the champion that she was. And then her father uh, left the family and went off with another woman. Mm. And she, Katie Taylor, then basically dropped her as her coach, refused to speak to him and then went into the Olympics. The 2012 Olympics? Uh, Would have been, yeah. Yeah, 2012 Olympics with a different coach didn't do well at all. And then she had to kind of live with that kind of, um, how would you say, 
that sort of that failure on mm-hmm. her and it explores that that effect it had on her the impact it had on her why it was that she felt like she had to keep going even without her father who had been with her since the start and it's just it's very very honest like you know that kind of way like most of these kind of sports documentaries and I won't mention Notorious but like it is very much like a lionized yeah a telling of their stories mm-hmm. like, oh she did this and oh they did that whereas in Katie it's like no she had her terrible moments like she really got low and really felt like she couldn't go anywhere with it but then came out the other I, side of it like I wouldn't say that sports documentaries don't do that I no. mean a lot of them do that as well yeah. I know what you mean about the line I was saying with regards to someone like Conor McGregor it's yeah. kind of like you almost like w- wouldn't you wouldn't even think to kind of include low yeah. points you know because of his um, personality yeah. and everything um, but I mean that's fairly standard it, for a okay, sports it's fairly standard yeah but that's I mean, all just, I'd say yeah know? no no that's fair but I mean I, I just think like most sports documentaries seem to be the ones that I've seen anyway, mm. with the exception of maybe, I don't know, the story of OJ, that thing, the ESPN one. Mm. Most of them seem to be about like the meteoric rise, isn't like yeah. you're just rising and rising and rising. Yeah. Um, and it's only ever, and that's, I mean, I mean that for like a living sports mm-hmm. personality. Yes, you know I, I mean? got you. Yeah, yeah. Like something like Senna, for example, it's telling the entire stories mm-hmm. and the rise and the fall and where it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Katie kind of does have that, the up and the down of it, because that's really, that's her truth. That's mm-hmm. her story. Like, And it captures that. Like, it is very, very honest. And that is refreshing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I remember when you initially came out of this, although you might feel differently now, because yeah. we've talked about this before, how, you know, you have one response kind of immediately coming out of a film. And then it's only when you sit down and think about it, in your case, haunted by the fact that they're going to make a sequel out of the movie. Are we still... T- okay, right, hang <laughs> no, on. No, 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 we'll leave that. We'll leave oh that. my God. But, no, 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 it's fine. We'll leave it. Other people, by the way, were commenting that that's BS. That yeah, that I, okay, no, <laughs> right. I know, we're going to pause. No, 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 because I'll lose my train of thought. My okay. point being that when you initially came out of Katie, we're going to keep on top <laughs> as much as you want to trail off. Um, when you initially came out of it, you were kind of saying that you would have liked to see more of her talking and not only that, but you felt like with regards to the whole trauma surrounding what her father did, yeah. that that was kind of skimmed over yeah. and not really maybe delved into the way you would have liked it to be. Yeah. I mean, I suppose both of those kind of um, points relate to where you're kind of focused on the personality yeah. of the person who's at the heart of this and where you focus on the sports accomplishments exactly. of the person. Yeah. I think that's always kind of the toughest thing to do with regards to this genre. So did you feel that in regards to the first one that maybe it fell down a bit? No, I mean, I think it was a case of like, in terms of them dealing with the, uh, there would have been more, there should have been more of her in it. I, I Thinking on it now, I mean, after like, that was literally when I walked out, it was mm. like, ah, she wasn't in it that much. And then I kind of sat and talked about it and, thought about it and it was like well she's a very private person and obviously Mm. she isn't or is unwilling perhaps to articulate herself in a way that would work in a documentary setting Mm. yet her family were more than happy to do that and her trainers and her coaches were able to talk about her and talk about her achievements and talk about everything else and I felt that painted more of a picture of her than she could herself like Mm. because you know what they say like it's the people who know you that know you yeah yeah um in terms of, you know, the whole thing with her father and that whole situation, I mean, look, 
obviously it's still raw because it, the film basically ends with her saying that she's just now starting to reconnect with her father. So obviously the pain is still very raw for yeah. her, for her and for her family. And if she didn't want to go into it, she didn't go on, want to go into it. But the context that they explore it in the in the documentary is he was her coach. He was the coach first, and then he left, and this was the impact of his leaving. Okay. As opposed to, you know, he had an affair, he left the family. They don't really go into that. And that's mm. fine, I get that, because it's a sports documentary. It's not a family docu- documentary, it's a sports documentary. Okay, so yeah. they have to explore the uh, professional impact of mm-hmm. it. Like, and I get that, that's fine. That's uh, uh, Initially, that was kind of like, oh, well, I would like to have seen a bit more, but then I kind of get it. No, this is a sports documentary. It's about her achievements, so keep it on that. Yeah. Like, how long is it actually? It's actually short be? enough. Like it's only yeah. about, I want to say it's like 85, 87 minutes. Yeah. And so did you think that that was kind of long enough? Like yeah. it didn't outstay its welcome? No. Or, I, or you didn't feel like it could have maybe if it had a bit more running time gotten no, into the issues a bit more? I don't think so. I think, no, I think the fact that they kind of kept it lean and kept it to the point I think kind of serves it. Because again, she is a woman who is very focused. Like, yeah. And you know, she doesn't really kind of go in for any of the extraneous stuff. Like I mean, yeah. They talk a little bit about her religion and they talk a little bit about the fact that her parent mm. or her mother is a born again Christian and all yeah. that. And that's fine, yeah. I guess, but it's not really, it, it only informs one part of her story yeah. and that's fine and that's enough. Yeah. I don't need to know any more about it. No, I mean, I think the fact that it's a short enough, like an hour and a half thing was perfect. Like, mm-hmm. You don't need any more than that. Probably work really well for... I know it sounds bad, like don't go to the movies, but you know when they kind of, especially the Every, documentaries yeah. go into TV then. Yeah. And then if it's on TV and it's like an hour and a half with like ad breaks, it's like ideal watching. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd imagine I wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if you saw it on telly yeah. over Christmas. Because I remember even with Unbreakable a few years ago, I was really surprised at how quickly that went from cinemas to TV. But I think it did quite well, like yeah. TV wise, they showed it around Christmas time Yeah, or it's the same yeah. with this as well. Like, I'm 100% certain this will be on over Christmas. Yeah. Because RT... Um, one of the producers for it so yeah I'd be ah, fully expecting to see this over Christmas yeah. yeah okay fair enough we'll leave it there so um, another movie that's out this week which I'll just give a quick yeah. plug to is The Hate You Give it's about more than just color it's about black people poor people everybody at the bottom I need to speak for him um, I saw this with my sister my 18 year old sister on Monday night and the Stella it was lovely right. it was her first yeah. time there actually yeah it's nice lovely. isn't it yeah we had a glass of Prosecco before the screening it was lovely um, but yeah so we really really liked it yeah. I found myself very emotional at the really? end. I had this like big lump in my throat I think that it's a great film look it's not perfect like it's totally unsubtle yeah. but I think as far as YA films go and we've talked about this even in relation to um, The Maze Run which is out yeah. last year and we were like why are they still making these movies I mean there have been so many ridiculous crappy yeah. fantasy dystopia movies that it's great to see movies that are coming out which are actually like addressing a contemporary audience and talking about these big issues and kind of you know bringing like young adults into yeah. kind of the conversations yeah. and stuff so I know that sounds a bit like you know, it's an important movie for, you know, young for kids, people to for watch. Teenagers. Yeah, I know that sounds a bit wanky, but I mean, it's true. Yeah. I think that it is a great film for them to watch. And it's it's good in that, like, it incorporates like a bit of humor as well, but it's also quite serious. And what I really like about the journey that the character goes on is that um, she's basically the sole witness to um, this young black man getting shot by a policeman, you know, right. and even at one point, um, Isa Rae, who'd be known for, um, mm. what's that show, Insecure, I think it's called. Yeah. 
Um, she says at one point, you know, it's the same story, but a different ni- name. But basically, um, this young girl called Star is the only witness to this crime. And her initial fear is that she doesn't want anyone in her all white high school to know in case they like start to like label her as the poor kid who sh- saw her friend yeah. from childhood get shot. And that's like her initial concern. But I mean, as a kid, that is what you'd be so yeah. worried about. You'd be worried about your peers. And it's only what as the film. Exactly. And it's only as the film progresses that she's like, this is such a bigger issue than just that. And I just thought that the film did that really well. So yeah. I think people should see it. It's a yeah. good movie. Yeah. It's interesting, like you said it about like, you know, YA novels and being adapted to films. Like yeah. I saw, I think it was last week, they announced that, um, uh, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret, has been turned into a film as well. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. yeah. That was the one, Judy Bloom. No, anyone? Anyone ever read Judy Bloom? Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. I did not. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah. It's just like um, kids' uh, uh, novel that was really popular in the US. And a lot of people actually read it here, I think. A lot of, like Fiona and Miriam yeah. outside were talking about it. The other name you mentioned there, the other title, that kind Tales of Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That it, rings a bell. Yeah. But I don't know the other one. But I mean, these books, like, they usually do quite well. When yeah, they do. Yeah, no, of course they do. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, no, it's yeah. worth It's good, good to see, yeah. And on that note, we will go into some movie news. See, I did it this month. Yeah, I like that. I did it this week. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Um, so, you're hosting, so like, yeah, I have to. Fair enough. Um, the movie that nobody wants to see rebooted Pirates of the Caribbean. Why are they doing this? I'll tell you exactly why because the franchise made over $4.5 billion worldwide over five films. So, of course, they're going to of reboot they are, it. Yeah. Um, no words on like director or even if Johnny Depp is going to be involved. Um, I have to say, I saw. The fifth movie, much to my regret, and I yeah. mean, he was just like he was basically like I'm too old for in. this shit. Yeah, like that's exactly what he was totally like. Totally falling um, in. They've hired Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick to write it. Um, they would be best known as the writers behind Deadpool, Deadpool Two, and Zombieland, and Zombieland Two, I think, as yep. well. Um, so yeah, those are some decent credits. So it makes sense that Disney would hire them of all people to kind of give this franchise that nobody wants another I, blast. Yeah, so, I yeah. don't know. Producer Dave, would you, would you care to see a Pirates reboot? Uh, not particularly. Yeah, well, yeah. like, my younger sister had a particular obsession with the first film. Right. So, uh, for a good year and a half, mm. it was about, like, once a day. Kind of thing. Kind yeah. of, for, like, I, I, I could probably recite that movie for you. Yeah. And I, probably I hate had, it now. Yeah. I probably had a similar obsession with the first one. I love the first one. But like, I mean, who would want to see, like, I mean, you know, the fifth one was crap. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely piss poor. Honestly, I didn't like any of the sequels. Yeah. I know people liked the second and third, and then by the fourth, fifth, they were like, eh, but I only enjoyed the first. Did you guys enjoy yeah. any of the others? I only saw the first three. Uh, okay. I thought the second and third were decent, like, yeah, chewing gum for the eyes. Yeah, exactly. They were fine. but um, They were so, like... CGI heavy, I remember. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. It was always pretty pretty bad. I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of, as much as I hate to say it, like, a lot of what made Pirates of the Caribbean such a success was Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really I'd agree, was. yeah. He really did, like, the, he really did carry that across his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think the fact that, you know, his star power is not what it once was, the fact that he himself is a bit of out of favour, there's, there's all the kind of controversies and accusations surrounding him. 
I think it makes sense that he should be cut out mm. from it, but I don't think you have anything that's worth watching without him. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe they could bring Rami Malik into it. I wouldn't. I, Maybe. I, I he think could he's something else. Idris Elba. Oh, I'm just saying that because of the James Bond thing. <laughs> but uh, who could you see replacing him if they were going to get a new Jack Sparrow? I'm saying Rami Malek. I wouldn't. I don't think he'd do it. It wouldn't be. I right. don't know if he'd do it. Yeah. Well, then again, I mean, like, he's at a point in his career, like with Mr. Robot, like what they're on f- season four, right? Do they know anything about? Is it going beyond this? Or I think it's finished in season four. Yeah. Because I think that when it comes to those things, what they're looking for is kind of a franchise. That yeah. And we've actually talked about that in relation to Idris Elba. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like. Let's be honest, they're actors and they want money. I don't oh, think sure, they yeah. really care if it's like, oh, no, it's that movie. That's no, a disgrace. No, you know no, what no, I mean? God, no, no, no. I don't, I don't um, think that comes into it at all. But I think, um, so, I don't know. Personally, I, I wouldn't care to see a Pirates yeah. reboot. I don't no, know. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, one thing I will say for the original, which I love, is that there are very few movies that I think are made today that you can kind of refer to as like classic adventure movies yeah, that would strike me as exactly like you know even like um, or action adventure if you want to call it that because I mean you've got the likes of you know The Goonies has just been added to Netflix yeah. like, that would be kind of an adventure totally. movie or like you know The Mummy the original one with yeah. Brendan Fraser like I think there's they've become much more kind of action oriented yeah. now and they've just lost a great degree of fun as a result yeah, so I think definitely. that's kind of sad um, but I mean, I'm not feeling overly positive that this no. reboot is going to work. No, I don't think. I so. think it's going to work. You're just, you're just like being contrarian for the sake of it. You're just like folding your arms there, just to be like. They're going to get Dave Franco. You heard it here first. Oh, my God. oh no! You heard he's it so here annoying. first. Yeah, but he's young. So there. I find him very annoying. I have to say, Dave Franco. Well, I'm not saying. He'd necessarily be my choice. He was, however, the first name I thought of. So there's that. He could that. replace the Orlando Bloom character. I could see them casting him that way. There's no way he'd be like Jack Sparrow. No way. You never know. Ah, no. Well, okay, you don't. He's too annoying. <laughs> no, this just uh, can't work. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, what were you doing there? I was doing nothing. I okay. was doing His phone was nothing. Ringing my phone again. Rang. I'm telling Mike. If it rings again, I'm going <laughs> to confiscate it. I actually had my phone on me because you had to read that. You had to read that Odeon thing. Yeah. I, had it, I had it on me just in case you needed the notes for no, it. No, I wrote it down. You know I, I know write things did. down. I know, but I just I had it on me just in case you were stuck. Like okay. Anyway, next Move piece on. of news. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has been moved. Yeah, this is, is interesting. It's 1985. <laughs> Yep, here all we folks. Butterbing. Uh, nice. It's like it's like our uh, joke last week when the Flash had ironically been delayed. I thought that was pretty funny. I <laughs> thought that was, was pretty funny. Yeah. Actually, I'd like to make a point on that joke. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Because I thought of a joke and I didn't make it, and I was like, I don't know. See, I was like, if they do end up cancelling the Flash, mm-hmm. that they could say, "What do you mean? It's been and gone. Oh, you missed it." That's good. That's good. Yeah, and I, I kicked myself because I listened back Aww. to the podcast and I, I should have said that. That's a great joke. Like, Thank you. It's been and gone. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So originally scheduled for November 1st, 2019, it's now been moved to June 5th, 2020. Thanks to a changing competitive landscape, mm. which basically means they want to avoid competition with other movies. Yeah, which makes sense, to be fair. Um, but I mean, it's like half a year. It's pretty big, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's um, like we've seen production photos from it and stuff. So they have like started shooting. It just seems, yeah, very, very delayed. But I mean, we did kind of start addressing this last week, how Warner Brothers DC are kind of all over the gaff at the yeah. moment anyway. They basically don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. I Smack think- bang in the middle of the Euros as well. The June 2019 yeah. or June or 2020. 2020. Yeah. That's the middle of the Euros. Christ. The Euros will be starting that week. But you know so what's going to... why gonna... did they think that was... Surely that would be And they're leaving then, cert. Right? No, you see, I'll tell you what's going to happen there. I'll tell you exactly... <laughs> they had that exactly in mind. <laughs> they are going to... That's... I would say that's the US release date. Yes. I'd imagine it'll be like after... Oh, a bit like they did last summer with us. Remember like Ant-Man and the Wasp? A whole bunch of them, actually. I remember Ant-Man and the Wasp particularly because it's like, when is this movie going to come out in Ireland already? But there were a few that were kind of pushed out. There was basically nothing out for like two months. For two months because (laughs) because of all the football. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. No, I would say that's what's going to happen there with that. I think they're probably going to push back um, the release date for that in Ireland until like... August? Is that yeah. when the Euros is over? Oh, the Euros will be over like start of July. There you go. So yeah, they'll yeah. push it to the end of July yeah. or start of July or something like but that. But besides that, we have no reason for concern? I guess not. I mean, like, I mean, I think the fact, like, if they're taking their time with it, that's mm. always good because, you know, as we've seen before with these kind of TCU films is mm. that like, when they try to rush them out, when they try to rush them to a... Like Justice League. And or, like Justice yeah. League, they end up with an absolute mess in their hands. Mm. Um... And like Patty Jenkins has proven herself to be a really strong director. Like you look at the first one, like it's done really, really well. They really understand that they really kind of get the concept. So I don't have any, I don't have much fear. I just think like, you know, obviously there's some big, huge, hard reset coming for the DC stable, if you like. I think there's going to be some big kind of like, they're just going to turn everything around and they're going to restart the whole thing. Um, I hope they don't lose Wonder Woman in that mm. reset. I hope yeah. that they keep Gal Gadot. I hope that they keep Patty Jenkins involved because I think yeah. the dynamic and the pairing that the two of them have is really strong. Yeah, it's worked really well. Yeah, it's worked yeah. really, really yeah. well. And it's been really exciting to see. Yeah. Like. And I'm still hopeful that Aquaman will be good. I'm still hopeful. Me I, too. I, 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 I want it to be good. I am, yeah. Are you hopeful? The two is hopeful for it. Yeah. yeah because really? I suppose Aquaman was always the downtrodden yeah. So I'd like to see And now they've got success. like Jason Momoa it's like Aquaman's hot now. Yeah, the man is handsome. He is. He is a handsome man, but I saw the trailer for it last night and I was very like this is going to be terrible. I haven't seen the extended one now cuz they've released like yeah. a 5 minute one or something, haven't they? Um, a 5 minute trailer. Yet. Yeah, it was like it's one of those Comic-Con kind trailers. Of oh, okay, preview, yeah. I suppose yeah. than a trailer or I don't know, is it what kind of thing I don't is know. It? It's yeah, it's one of those like yeah. kind of Comic-Con extended look things, but um yeah. I am not hopeful for Aquaman at all. I think it looks a mess. And James Wan is a brilliant director. James Wan is a great director. I really love The Conjuring. I loved any of the horror stuff that he's done. I think he's a really strong director. But by God, Aquaman looks a and mess. And Fast and Furious. He and did Fast the best Furious. one. He'd Five. Would you call that the best one? Was that the yes. one in Rio? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was solid. To be it was fair. pretty solid. Yeah, yeah I, I like that it, one. I think the general critical consensus is that Five is the best one. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Let us know, listener slash reader <laughs> slash watcher. Tell us what you think. See him dropping that in there. Audience interaction. Oh, or you can tweet us. Or you can tweet us. At yeah, the film show. There you go. Cool. Uh, last piece of news. Friday the 13th is getting a reboot. So this is this news is kind of coming off the back of the fact that Halloween has been doing incredibly well, which is like, yay, it totally deserves it. Uh, made over 70 million dollars in the box office last weekend. 
broke a bunch of records uh, such as highest grossing movie led by a female over 55, yep. highest gross, highest grossing horror movie opening led by a female, yep. uh, second biggest October opening yep. and another one. Oh, biggest Halloween movie Yeah, biggest opening. in the franchise. Just uh, out of yeah. interest there, sorry to interrupt, what was the previous holder of the strongest opening by a female lead over 55? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I, I, like I expect an answer by next week. I'd hazard a guess and I'd say it'd be something like... Uh, Maybe they're just... How old is Meryl Streep no these days? Record. Yeah, Meryl Streep. I would imagine <laughs> it's yeah, something like... Yeah, I would imagine exactly. it's like some Meryl Streep thing. Or Helen yeah, Mirren, perhaps. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how old they are. Okay, can I tee up my whole thing about Halloween now? Because I need to get into this. Oh, while we're on the subject While we're on the subject of Halloween. Okay, okay. Dave, have you seen Halloween yet? The new one? Yeah. What do you think? No? Of course not. Okay. I went to the cinema for the first time in six months last week. <laughs> yeah, he went to see A Star is Born. Yeah. And he just thought it was okay. He thought it was okay. Well, I'm a bit upset by that, but you can't say shit because you still haven't finished it. I thought movie. it was very good. I thought it was very good. But I was expecting, I was hoping to love it because I was really looking forward to it. And I... I just didn't love it. I think that expectations like can make or break a movie. Also, really. I didn't cry. Yeah. <gasps> I thought I was expecting it to cry and like I am not afraid of crying by any means. But that's really good. And it, that's just, really, it just didn't happen. That is really emotionally healthy. Dave. Thank really you. Appreciate and that I, I, I like to think that, uh, you know, you need to cry every now and then. Oh, God, yeah. To, for even just as a pressure valve kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it just didn't happen. And I, I didn't come close for it to happening. I, you know, it's funny he said that because mm. um, Kate went to see it and she said the pretty much the exact same thing as well. She yeah. was like, I went in there, I was ready and prepared to have a big, big, ugly cry in the middle yeah. of the cinema and she said nothing came. That really, said, my girlfriend I mean, Ashling, were, hello Ashling, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, <laughs> was bawling right Really? really? Yeah. Aww. Yeah. And more than one female member of this office and male were also saying that they were sobbing quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. if you expect to cry, yeah, again, well, see, it's to there, do with there, there was that. I think it was probably yeah. maybe I was just a victim of listening to all the hype because I I usually take myself out of all that. I never listen to anything, but uh, not even this show. I actually do listen to this show because I love my voice. <laughs> right now, I need to talk about Halloween, okay? Because I actually know I'm, I'm I'm going to do this really really quickly, okay, really, really succinctly. Quick. Okay, so okay. I wrote an article uh, last Saturday, basically to, or Sunday rather, talking about the ending of Halloween mm-hmm. and why I only gave it four stars and why I didn't give it five stars. I dropped my phone, it's fine. Um, oh, I'm, I thought you were just talking about like the ending in and of itself. Yeah, I was talking about the ending in and of itself. Yeah. But you weren't saying like, and I wrote this, and this is why I feel like this. Well, this is, okay, but this is my point, okay? The reason why I didn't give Halloween four stars and the reason why I didn't... You didn't li- give it five stars. You I didn't give it four five, stars. I give it four stars. Yeah. Was because the ending of it, spoilers... Drop the spoiler alarm if we have a spoiler alarm. I'm going to drop a clang. Say a wooga there. A wooga. There you go. Done. Great. Um, the bit at the end, the, the post credit thing, it ruined it. It absolutely ruined it. You basically haven't said what it is, so you oh, haven't right, actually okay. done a spoiler. Okay, fine. So at the end, basically, the film ends with uh, the Strode women, all three generations of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've burned down Laurie Strode's, mm. like... Uh, oh, I thought you were just going to talk about the credits. So this is like spoilers. Yeah, that's what I said. It was a spoiler. Okay, okay. Yeah. So sorry, she, Dave. You have to listen to this. Sorry that that's you're. Sorry, I'll probably watch during about three years. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, she burns down the house anyway. Traps Michael Myers inside the house mm-hmm. and burns down the house. Mm-hmm. Right. You think, oh my god, she's finally come through it. 
it's all over now. This is amazing. This is the end that we, that we wanted. And then the very final... But you never actually see... This is true. You this don't see important. the body. You don't see the body. Yeah. But like, come on, like, that's... What the is last it? Scream? Shot. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, again... The last shot is basically... He's been trapped in the basement, right? And it's of him, like, looking up at uh, Laurie. And then the, the women get out of the house. And then all the other shots are just of the house burning. So we haven't actually seen him. This is true. Catching fire and dying yeah, and stuff. And dying. And I it. made the point of what if like part of the house collapses and he's able to get out of the hole? You Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it'd be very unlikely that a very specific part of the collapse without it collapsing on top of him. I but mean, okay, well, like, I mean, not to get all structural engineering on it, but there is such <laughs> a thing. Totally as, are. But we totally are. There is such a thing as air pockets that, like, you know, that allows people to, that's how people, mm. like, survive in buildings, collapse and stuff like that. Buildings kind of fall in a certain way that allows for air pockets to get through. Um, the final bit, the final bit of the credits, you can hear him breathing. Mm-hmm. That ruined it for me. That, I was just like, you literally set the entire film up for it to be this, Big emotional ending that Laurie Strode has to confront her fears and comes out the other side of it. And that's like, wow, it's finally over for her. And then it's like, no, it isn't. That ruined it for me. I, that drove me up the wall. It's, but the very nature of Halloween is and that, horror, it's, that never it's never ending. over. So I don't know how that's a valid point okay. for, you know, criticizing a movie. And particularly for taking a star off it. Like, whatever if you had other issues with it. But like I said, the very nature, if if they didn't have that breathing, like you wouldn't have horror fans going like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like you wouldn't have that. Like they wouldn't have been left with that sense of gratification. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're just thinking about your own sense of gratification and that you like a complete story. Yeah. But, Who doesn't like a complete story? But it's like I said, like, it's imagine if Jaws, like, like imagine if Jaws, imagine if Jaws ended right, blows him up. OK, you know, smiley son of a bitch. And then literally they're cycling out, they're paddling away and then like a fin goes past the screen. May I make a point? Jaws 2. (laughs) Yeah, Jaws 2 was crap. Yeah, but they still make the sequels. It's the nature of the genre. And they're never good. They could have ended right there and then. Was Halloween 2018 any good? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, but like I'm saying it was... So you're basically saying that... You're allowing this sequel to exist, having seen it and knowing that it's good, but you won't allow for another sequel to exist, yes. even though you haven't seen it yet and it could be really good. Imagine yes. if you it's see even how illogical better. that is. Yes. It could I, have minions. God. <laughs> like, could you? Like, I hope. Dave, I want you to look me right in the eye right now. I want you to see the level of disgust on my face. I'd give that a six. Six disgusts out of eight. A non-arbitrary scale. You're welcome. Okay, let's do the revisit. Um, <laughs> Is it Minions? <laughs> you know what? Minions, that movie was actually my least favourite movie of, what would that have been, 2015, 2014? It just sickened me how <laughs> grotesquely We're revisiting Minions now, was. by the way. Hmm? What? Nothing that was. Minions. We kind of are. We're aren't never we? revisiting. You kind of are a little bit. No. We're probably going to have to. If this show is still on the air like 10 years from now, it's like, okay, Minions. Minions 6. Oh, it's so annoying. It's yeah. like the second highest grossing animated movie of all time. Isn't that sick? Doesn't that make you sick to your stomach? Nope. Anywho, uh, the revisit this week is Walk the Line. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. 
This is from Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon, mm-hmm. directed by James Mangold, who did Logan. Yeah, thank you. Uh, who did Identity, really strong director. Um, I am a huge Johnny Cash fan. Mm-hmm. However, I will be honest and say that the same problems that plague Bohemian Rhapsody, I feel somewhat plague Walk the Line. And that I think it's a little bit trite. See, I didn't think so. Tell me why you didn't think it was I thought that it was really kind of, I mean, even more so than Bohemian Rhapsody, I'd say. Like, I love Walk the Line. Yeah. I love it. I thought that it felt very emotionally genuine. Yeah. You know, like it was a very moving movie. And I think that James Mangold, in fairness, is great at that because, I mean, similar with Lee with Logan, like there's real emotion mm. powering that. Yeah. Like it's a superhero movie that makes you ball. Oh, God. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. You know, and you really kind of believe in... um that relationship between the two. But back to Walk the Line, I thought that Reese Witherspoon was amazing in it. Joaquin Phoenix was amazing in it. Mm. I loved kind of the story and I thought it like really had a very nice flow to it. It did. You know? I mean, like one thing I would say is with regards to your whole like criticism of the fact that it's trite, I mean, it's kind of difficult to summarize any life in a movie. And I mean, particularly ones like especially when the life is of like a legend yeah such as freddie mercury Mm. such as johnny cash i mean they really are just legends icons Mm. of the music scene yeah you know yeah so i mean i I mean what what else can you do you can do like a documentary if you want to stay more true to it but i mean if you're going down the kind of you know music like we've talked about this before Mm. the musical biopic route that is what you're kind of looking at you're kind of looking at the key moments you're looking at kind of putting in the musical numbers at the right beats and stuff, you know, mm. to kind of, you know, get people like all riled up and excited because they're hearing the music again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting difference actually between Walk the Line, which I thought was a really interesting aesthetic choice compared to other musical biopics was that it had um, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon sing as opposed and to having yeah, Johnny Cash's and Junior Car- yeah. Carter's voices. Joaquin Phoenix especially got Johnny Cash's voice so close. It was like eerie. Oh no, it was brilliant. Like yeah. that performance he does at Cocaine Blues is mm. it sounds like Johnny Cash. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like him. And he even got the hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Yeah. They really got that. Amazing. Like he got that yeah. kind of the mannerisms down. And I think that's a credit to Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I think if they had gotten any other director or any other actor rather mm. into that role, I don't think they would have done it half as good as he could have done it. Yeah. Because you know, like you look at Johnny Cash, you look at like, you know, live at San Quentin, you look at any of his live performances, he really kind of lumbers, you know, that kind mm. of way. He just walks on stage and he's got the guitar and he's just, that's it. And Joaquin Phoenix really captured that stillness, I think. That's what he has. Johnny Cash has stillness. And mm-hmm. I think Joaquin Phoenix got that really as well. And it's interesting, that, like, the, the dynamic, like when we first meet June Carter Cash, he's mm-hmm. this real kind of like skippy almost kind of go lucky kind of character but at the same time like that's kind of her on stage personality and behind the scenes like she's much more kind of serious and stuff Um, and speaking of you know how you were talking before with A Star Is Born about the looks remember how Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga has that look I don't know if you remember this bit but I always love this bit and walk the line it's when um 
June Carter, uh, played by Reese Witherspoon, is looking at um, Johnny Cash perform for the first time and she's just looking at him from behind the curtain and she just can't stop beaming. Like, yeah. she's so excited to see him. Even though, like, when she actually meets him, she's, like, acting all cool in the game. Oh, of course. But, yeah. like, she's completely, like, enraptured yeah. by him. And I thought that that was, like, re- a really beautiful performance on Reese Witherspoon's part. And that's, like, you know, why she went and won the Oscar yeah. for that role then, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think her performance in it was that strong. Mm. I mean, when I say it was trite, I just think there were certain parts of like, walk the line that it was kind of like, really? Did it really happen like that? I mean, was it really is, you know, yeah, as but I mean, there's that. always going to be a bit of dramatic license. And I'm always surprised when I go back and read these things, how close they actually Hewed are, to it. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So it kind of depends. I mean, I know that there are some people who will be like, you know, they'll be like looking up those articles afterwards. And there are always articles yeah. afterwards about like, this is how it actually happened. Yeah, or yeah. This scene didn't actually happen. Like, I find it a bit frustrating with, say, um, I know that this is a totally random comparison, but with Darkest Hour, the finale where like he goes on the underground and he's like chatting to everyone and like shaking their hands and stuff. Like, I find that really annoying because that's like such, that's like the conclusion of the movie and it's meant to be this really emotional Mm. high point. And it's like, wow, he did that and he went and he talked to the people. Well, no wonder everyone loved loved him as prime minister. Never happened. He he would never have taken the underground in his life. He totally like looked down on that system. So it was so that, okay, something like that would annoy me if it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's meant to be like the big conclusion of the movie but I mean like even I think like didn't the proposal and stuff it did happen like that I think it was during the performance wasn't it I I thought I read that somewhere sure. maybe it did I'm but not... like that's that's so sweet again I yeah hope, I hope it's true <laughs> it probably really uh, yeah, bad I mean, if someone comments yeah. like no that didn't happen I thought I read it somewhere but maybe that was just my imagination yeah. running off I mean I know I, I know with the stuff they did in the, the San Quentin uh, scenes mm. like the bit with the tin cup like that's yeah. like you go back and listen to the album that's yeah. really he makes the joke of like you know yeah you didn't think I got a tin cup listen ding 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 <laughs> like that really did happen yeah like, yeah um, so yeah so I get like I get that they kind of captured the the live elements of it mm. I think very very well like I say Wacky Phoenix like and, and Reese Witherspoon the two of them together like that performance of um, uh, Jackson Mm. was perfect like, yeah, that sounds yeah. exactly like the real version of it like so I give them credit for that um, but yeah no I mean I think James Mangold w- was a fascinating choice to direct this I mean at that point what had he kind of done because obviously he's proven himself like since I yeah think, of course again, yeah. yeah but like he'd done like Copland he'd mm. done Identity um, and he was kind of known more for his kind of, I guess, uh, noir <laughs> stuff than anything else. Yes. I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry about this. I am listening. Turn it on silence. I'm just... Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I just think that it was a really interesting story. And I think James Mangold was a fascinating choice. But I think he was the obvious choice. How? Because I think he... Like we were talking about at the start. He yeah. has. He's one of these directors that's really able to capture emotion. And really yeah. kind of give it a full force like like in Logan mm. and like in um, Copland you go back and watch Copland that's a really heartbreaking story like about this guy who just wanted to be a cop really wanted to give it his all but the the nature of mm. life and the nature of crime just yeah. stands against him like and it was the same with Walk the Line as well like Johnny Cash was this you know really authentic really you know this performer mm-hmm. that had real integrity and just would never compromise. Yeah. And was just really about like being honest. 
And it's like, there's that brilliant scene in it when they, they go into Sun Records and like the record executive tells them, you know, if you're going to die and you had one song left, oh, what I would that, that scene. That, yeah, yeah. Like, what would that song be? And then he breaks into Falls and Prison Blues. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like, I hear the train coming. Like, it's real. Like, it's like, oh my God. And like, looking at that and then looking at Bohemian Rhapsody, it's like the difference between night and day because it makes sense in Walk the Line. And when you watch Walk the Line, it's yeah. like, yes, that that's getting to the core of what yeah. the song is about. But when it's Queen, it's just like, okay, boom, 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 boom. Okay, okay. I take your point. But like you know I, I mean? said, my I think the thing about Bohemian Rhapsody is that it is, like I said, a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Um, but Walk the Line, it was trying to do kind of Justice. an in-depth character yeah. study. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think it, I it think did more it is, justice. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that there were also like different kind of intentions behind true. both. You Very know what true. I mean? Very true. Like, I think that Queen, like, while it wanted to kind of portray Freddie Mercury's story and everything, yeah. it still wanted to show Queen as like fun and mm. creative and yeah. just as like great musicians yes, you yes, know yes. what I mean whereas Walk the Line was like it really wanted to kind of get into the nitty gritty of um, I was about to say Johnny Depp <laughs> Johnny Cash yeah. Yeah. as a like performer and his life and I mean even like you know um, it goes like back into like his childhood yeah. and his relationship with his dad and I mean like in Bohemian Rhapsody the family thing is like touched quite, upon. it's touched upon touched but it's upon. really quite skimmed over I mean yeah. it pretty much just tracks 1970 to 1985 you know that period yeah. but anyway they're very different movies very different even movies. though they're the same genre I'd yeah. say they're very different very, very different movies okay leave it at well, that. we'll leave it there so what's out next week Brian oh crap I mean like my guess is and I never have an answer and now you're asking me and I don't have an answer um, I actually know well I just is say. it Widows no it's no. not it's um, go on what is it um, Suspiria. Don't look at me like that. This is your job. <sighs> <laughs> you're being devil's advocate for Mike. Thanks. <laughs> you're right. I should know this. I know. I, it, it's a constant. My actual favorite part isn't the fact that you forget them. It's the realization in your eyes whenever you're informed of what they are, and you're like, "I knew that. Yeah. I did not. Like, I did. I, it's, yeah, it's, it's my favorite part. It's just it's a constant jumbled mess in there that I can't." Pluck the information out. I need a memory palace. Remember what you ending in a Rod Sherlock who talks about his memory palace? What you should do is uh, the things you need to remember, you could put them in movies as quotes. That's very That's like a memory really palace. We could shoot yeah, a little yeah. movie at the start of every week and you'd know all the quotes. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it there again. Uh, <laughs> also, Nutcracker in the Four Realms and oh, yeah. Slaughterhouse Rules, which I'm kind of curious to see. Yeah, That's the one Simon Pegg and Nick Frost production yeah. company is behind it. So, yeah, a little kind of Halloween-y themed one because it's Halloween next week. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, Thanks so much to David Regan and Owen Cannon and we'll leave it there. See you next week. You mean Owen Renane? (laughs) Owen Renane. Buddy, you're watching this now. I love you. I think you're a champ. Fantastic. See you next week. You refrain from performing any tunes that remind the inmates that they're in prison. You think they forgot? The ring of-